Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 217. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Dan Farina. Hello, Kip Clark. I am Dan Farina, a returning guest. And I'm really happy about both of those facts, and as ever, grateful for the chance to talk to you. And today's episode is about escapism versus happiness, which ties into a recurrent theme on this show of comparing two ideas. Previous episodes have explored niceness versus kindness, or the fine line between creepy and romantic behavior. And this was inspired by a powerful phone call I once had with a friend of mine, in which he remarked, at a particularly low point for him emotionally, that he didn't know if he could necessarily distinguish between escapism versus happiness. More specifically, he said, Kip, I appreciate you trying to cheer me up and reminding me of things that you think I enjoy, but when you list X, Y, and Z, I don't know that those make me happy so much as they fill my time or provide a means of escape. And Dan, given the emotional vulnerability of such a remark, I didn't want to make that friend come on and talk about his experiences, although he knows he's welcome. And this was one of several topics I floated to you. And so, as I frequently ask, I'd be curious to know what leapt out at you when I mentioned this topic initially. Well, first of all, happiness has meant manifold things to me throughout my life. It seems as a culture, we're uncertain about what we mean by happiness. Is happiness a particular emotion? Is happiness some sort of state of being that can persist across time? Is happiness a goal? Is happiness a value? Happiness is this odd protean variable that seems to get co-opted for all sorts of different reasons. In my own life, there was a long time when I defined my worth by how happy I was. That was one of the contingencies for my contingent self-love. Namely, I must be happy, or even, I must be the happiest. Now, obviously a person can't be happy all the time, or at least that's obvious to me now. But since I needed to believe that I was happy in order to feel okay about myself, I started to play around with the definition in order to fit circumstances. One moment happiness means this, because I'm experiencing this. One moment happiness means that. The term became increasingly vexed as I stretched it to fit all of these various circumstances. So given that history, I'm very interested in defining happiness, and specifically the question of how we ought to understand happiness. What sort of conception of happiness is good for us or practical for us? I imagine the difficulty of defining happiness, which I agree pervades our society and perhaps our world, is one of the reasons that it's so elusive as a feeling, because we don't know how to describe it. I think it's somewhat similar to love, which many people might argue we thoroughly understand as a species because we speak about it, sing about it, write about it, paint, draw, and think about it so much. But I would actually argue that one reason the topic of romantic love in particular is timeless is because we don't fully grasp it. It is this ethereal thing which evades definition. And I think love is in many ways a relative of happiness in the mind. Positive feelings that most of us have some connection to, but we also live in a difficult world where there are probably some people, I would imagine, that have not felt happiness, or at least can't recall it. 
And to me, the idea of defining something is why escapism and happiness might be conflated and mixed up in the minds of several people, not just the friend I alluded to. Because, to bring in a metaphor of movement, for some people, happiness is described as a destination. When I meet someone great, I will be happy. Or when I write this book, I will be happy. People set terms and make their happiness a particular destination at which they can arrive. In contrast, to me, escapism is about leaving. I'm having a really rough day, so I want to watch a movie on Netflix. I'm not trying to say that escapism is bad, but it is about leaving. And that's why I think more people might tend towards escapism over happiness. To arrive somewhere, you have to know what the destination is. You might have to know the route to get there, or at least the address, the very specific point you want to reach. To leave somewhere, you just have to find the exit. And I think that's why happiness is so hard in contrast to escapism, because you do have to define it to some extent. I also look out at our society and see a plethora of options that may bring happiness, but I think for a lot of people, provide routes to escapism. I wouldn't be surprised if podcasts, for some people, represented a vacation from one's own thoughts or silence. And to illuminate some of my bias, which I think is necessary in most conversations, I do think happiness is the thing we should strive for. And while escapism may be necessary at times in one's life to avoid tremendous emotional stress or trauma, I don't think you can flee your problems forever. And I'd be very interested if listeners think I'm being too reductive there. That escapism isn't just only about avoiding problems, that in some ways it might help you process or have time apart from problems to perhaps see them more objectively. One thought I wrote down in preparation for this episode is that in my observation and subjective opinion, escapism feels like it can lead to unhealthy habits, where people feel more comfortable in avoidance than in confrontation. And don't get me wrong, I'm hardly comfortable with confrontation, but I find it necessary at times. And in contrast, I think happiness can be built upon or preceded by healthy habits. For example, if you exercise regularly, which is a healthy habit for your body, you will gradually feel better. And research backs that. Before I touch escapism, I want to think a little bit more about something you said with respect to happiness. You characterized happiness as the thing we should strive for. And I think there's a very interesting equivocation over the term happiness, where on the one hand, we talk about it as this sort of abstract thing we should strive for. And on the other hand, we understand it as a particular emotional state. There's a problem inherent in this because we don't know enough to know specifically what we ought to strive for. That object of highest value is analogous to the truth. Truth is an ever-receding horizon. If you define one thing as the absolute truth, it's only a matter of time before the ocean of being washes away that fragile sandcastle. And if you continue to hold on, you will drown. Therefore, it behooves us to think of truth as this abstraction rather than something with a particular predetermined content so that we can debate how to move toward it and constantly refine our methods over time. And there's the problem with how we talk about happiness. We define happiness as this abstraction, the thing we should strive for, and as a particular emotional state. And thereby, we constrain ourselves within a particular conception of the good that is terribly unlikely to match up with reality. 
Upon reflection, it's pretty easy to see that the affective state we sometimes refer to as happiness is not the ultimate thing we ought to strive for. For example, do you want to be happy at your mother's funeral? Do you want to be jumping for joy when the world is crumbling down around you? Emotions tune us to certain aspects of our environment. When we're feeling joyful, we tend to see the things around us that are going well. And that's wonderful when a lot of things around us are going well. But emotions like anxiety and shame and anger illuminate aspects of the environment and aspects of ourselves that might be insufficient or dangerous. And we need to see those as well if we want to take care of ourselves and the ones we love for any period of time. For these reasons, I'm more comfortable referring to that specific emotional state characterized by a positive and light energy, a sense of extroversion, motivation to move and play, as happiness, while I leave open the question of what we ought to strive for, in the same way that I leave open the definition of truth. The explicit mention of reality is quite valuable in this conversation because it helps me reframe this dichotomy. I would argue that both escapism and happiness, as approaches or as mindsets, are relationships to the objective reality around us. In the route of escapism, you don't want to engage with it, and those reasons are your own. And in the state of happiness, which I think we all define in our own ways, I don't know if one is seeing reality in an objective way, but it does feel like they are embracing that possibility more readily. They're not running from anything. They are standing in it. And our emotions do, of course, distort the world we see around us. When we're happy or joyous, it's easier to see the positive things in our lives. And as you pointed out, there are grim circumstances where it's not only okay, but it's healthy to feel sadness, regret, difficulty, because there is a plethora of human emotions. And I do wonder at times if, at least in our Western culture, we've reduced emotions to very minimal bases. I'd also like to touch back to what my friend originally said on the phone, the conversation that sparked this entire episode, because we were talking when he was in a difficult emotional period. And I think a lot of people would say, getting out of that should be your first priority. Don't worry about feeling overjoyed or content or satisfied. Feeling depressed is something you should work through so that in the near future, you're not feeling depressed. Perhaps it was wrong of me to ask the question that sparked his comment to ask him what makes him happy, because that might be a further goal than the more near-term possibility of simply escaping or getting out of feelings of depression. And I'd like to clarify, as I think might be necessary, that there are people who suffer from clinical depression or depressive episodes that are based in very serious events, and in no way am I trying to minimize that. Escapism might be the wrong word there, but processing of emotions, rather than worrying about positive eventual emotions as a goal or an idea to strive for. Your comments bring two paradoxes to my mind, one a paradox of escapism and another a paradox of happiness. The paradox of escapism is that oftentimes the more we run away, the more we are beset upon by those things away from which we run. When you're running away from something, your body is telling your mind that that thing is big and scary, that that thing is something you should run away from. And so acting on anxiety by running away tends to generate more anxiety, likewise with sadness and other emotions. Most psychological and spiritual suffering, I believe, and this is informed by the framework of depth psychology, are messages from a bigger and wiser 
and demanding part of ourselves that there's something we're doing that runs contrary to our nature. I don't mean by this that depression is anyone's fault, per se. A person can be doing his or her best, trying to be good, trying to just live life, and accidentally run afoul of their nature. Our environments so rarely encourage us to act in alignment with our idiosyncratic natures. So no matter what, there are going to be periods where we run contrary to them. But in any case, my point is that there's this part of us that's screaming at us, screaming for attention when we're in those extremely low states. And the more we ignore that voice, the louder it's going to become. Also, briefly, I thought of a paradox of happiness. You mentioned the idea that happiness can be a goal. And I think it is a goal for many people, as it once was for me. But there's this tragic phenomenon where the more you go for happiness, the less happy you become. I think that in part, this is due to the fact that happiness is like a sign. A sign that says, you're in the right place. You're in a good place where your needs are being met. And so when we shoot for that sign, rather than that good place that the sign refers to, we end up missing our mark, and we get more and more frustrated. I'm especially grateful that you bring up those two paradoxes, because this is a very fluid topic, and one that I suspect different listeners will have different relationships to. I will be especially curious to hear what people think about this, and if anyone shares with us the countless ideas and insights we haven't come across, because the realm of emotions is vast. But before we conclude this episode, are there additional thoughts you have that you'd like listeners to consider after listening to this conversation? I would recommend to listeners a mindful practice that's done a lot of good for me. Try noticing when you're having an experience that announces itself as truly important truly meaningful. And pay attention to what the nature of that experience is. What is your body telling you? What emotions are you experiencing? Are you feeling happiness or are there other things going on? I think such practices can help us orient toward that elusive thing of highest value. I would also ask the listeners, which emotion that's traditionally considered negative do you most appreciate or enjoy? I'd really love to know if listeners in their own lives have trended towards one of these two poles, if you believe them to be poles, at different periods of your life. I'd also really love to know, as this was inspired by a phone call and a dichotomy that I drew from it, if listeners think there's even a relationship between escapism and happiness. And finally, though I have a bias more in favor of my definition of happiness and against my definition of escapism, I would love to know if there are listeners out there who value the opposite or something else. And Dan, for your eloquence and willingness to discuss the real, the abstract, and everything in between, you have my gratitude. Thank you, Kip. I appreciate you having me on. Well, you're very welcome. It's always my pleasure. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we genuinely love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes in exchange for your support. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.